0: Welcome to the Thoughtful Gamer Podcast, Episode 9. Here with me today is Orion. Hey, how's it going? And we have a special guest all the way from Connecticut, our good friend Bubba. Hello! His real name is Matt, but we're just going to call him Bubba.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> it's for the listeners, because we usually have the other Matt here.
1: Well, admittedly, we uh, had like 10 Mats in our hall
2: Yeah, yeah, in college.
0: We've also called you Bubba for five years. (laughs) Yes, I also frequently forget that your name is actually Matt.
1: Yeah, interesting story. Like, in college, I came to college with that nickname and basically introduced myself as Bubba to everyone. Um, Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was not, I was not, hi, I'm Matt. No, it was, hi, I'm Bubba. And that's because the name actually came from while I was playing baseball in high school. I think you
0: told me that before, yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, it's stuck in college somehow. I think it has to do with the fact that we had 10 mats on the hall.
0: Oh, this is very important. Because Matt isn't here to try to turn this into a hockey podcast. (laughs) We could instead turn it into a baseball podcast. But there's actually another baseball fan here (laughs) other than me.
1: This is true.
0: Oh, man, I should have. I don't even. Out.
1: What, what's your favorite team? I don't even know that. I'm a Cardinals fan. You're a oh, Braves yeah, fan, right? Yeah, I'm a Braves fan. Yes. Yeah,
0: we're we're both, we're both having a disappointing, both disappointing very mo- season.
1: mediocre this season. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. The Cardinals could come back. They're
1: so could the Braves. Yeah, they're, I don't know anything about street. the Braves this year. They have a kid named Dansby Swanson, and that's he's, a baseball
0: he's, name if I ever heard it.
1: Sure. <laughs> uh, he started very poorly. Batted like 125 guess 125 yeah in the first like 40 games and then uh is now up to around 230
0: i think Uh, so he's been batting 330 for the last month sure (laughs) roughly yeah (laughs) the cardinals just can't hit that's that's basically it we have one of the best and their middle relievers are yes and our relievers are awful except for rosenthal who is suddenly not awful again but O, who was amazing last year, is now not doing well. And then the reliever we paid a bunch of money for is doing the worst of anyone.
1: Isn't BCP a, a baseball fan?
0: Like- That's true. Yeah, but he's he's a Red Sox fan, and we don't allow that kind of talk here.
1: <laughs> it's right next door, though. <laughs> yeah, even though we are in
0: Boston, but National League talk only. Fair enough. Yeah, we just can't. We can't hit and we can't pitch past the six inning. So those are two important things in baseball. Anyway.
1: I'm here because I played board games.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're uh, actually going to talk about board games. But this is just kind of to stick it to Matt. Man, we played a lot of we spent a lot of time playing board games.
1: Well, two specifically, it, it plural, but it was only two board games. <laughs> <laughs> two specifically,
0: and that's what we're going to talk about today. Two of the best games ever made, I think. Excellent, excellent designs we played last would, night, or two that. nights ago. <laughs> two nights ago, we played Falling Sky, which was Bubba's first introduction to the Coin series, which Orion and I have fallen in love with, or many of us have fallen in love with. Yep, yeah, we all like them, I think. Everyone likes the, the Coin series of games, and then last... Not last night. Yesterday, all of yesterday, we played an epic game of Twilight Imperium, which was Bubba's first time.
1: It was my first time for both of these games, actually. Yeah. I've never played a coin game either.
0: Yeah. So... interesting. It was a lot of board gaming on only two games, but it was... It was uh, a lot of hours of board gaming. (laughs) Yeah. How many... It was what? Like five hours for Falling Sky and then 12 for TI?
2: Yeah, we probably almost spent more hours playing board games than not over the last 36.
0: (laughs) The dream. (laughs) The dream was alive in Medford, Massachusetts. Before we get to it, though, I want to share a little story. Because Bubba, and I think I might have written about this at some point, so you may be aware. You really triggered my love of board games with one very specific game of when you taught me Dominion.
1: Oh really? I so I've read most of your posts, and I think I read the Dominion one. Did you do a review on Dominion?
0: I have not. I thought I talked about it somewhere. It, I mean, you definitely might have talked a, about it. It might have like been on Reddit top ten. Like it might have been that.
1: Oh, see, I don't follow Reddit. I don't, I
0: don't remember. So
2: you've mentioned it a lot because it's such an iconic game, but but there's one very specific
0: moment, okay. and I had played modern board games before i i played Catan. okay that was probably the only one that i've played <laughs> um now that i think about it i played Catan a few times so sure. i knew that there was this thing called euro games and they didn't have conflict etc etc and then at some point you got really excited about dominion
1: yes i literally bought every dominion expansion set i could get my hands on while or- i was in college
0: Mostly many people in college got very excited about Dominion, and we met up at Kettler, right, Kettrack? Yeah, that's the, yeah, Kettrack. I I don't even remember the names of the buildings from college. I guess that means I'm old. Um, (laughs) And we're playing base Dominion, and you were explaining the cards, or I was reading through the cards, and I remember seeing Chapel. I remember thinking, this why on earth would you want this card? It doesn't make any sense. Why would you want to trash your own cards? I don't understand at all.
1: Did I proceed to trash my entire deck and have only four cards you remaining? You proceeded in it?
0: <laughs> to use Chapel exactly as as intended. Built an engine in which you went through your entire hand or your entire deck every turn and beat us like sixty or beat me like sixty to four or something, and it blew my mind. <laughs> I love chapel. (laughs) (laughs) And I suddenly, like, concepts of, like, action efficiency and deck thinning and this whole new layer of strategy, I still remember, rushed into my brain, and it has never left me. So, thank you, Bubba.
1: Interesting. Uh, Yeah, and, like, you had a debate mind going into it. And just, like, a logical mind. uh, Yeah. In general.
0: My entire life had been, or my entire high school and college life up to that point had been debate focused, so I don't know, I I can't remember enough to, about, like, learning board games to know how much, how that might have affected me, you know, thinking, but I think everyone has that experience with Chapel, and it just stuck with me. Sure. In that particular play. It's a paradigm shifting card for sure if you haven't done something like that before. Well, and then later it was really cool to read that Donald X Vaccarino designed that core set with three very specific paradigm shifting cards that he said, you know, he specifically designed so that any inclusion of one of those three cards would make an entirely different game compared to the games without them. And and the three cards... Remodel? What's that? Is Remodel one of them? No, it's Chapel, Thief, and Gardens.
1: Thief? Okay, Gardens makes sense. Because thief Chapel... is awful.
0: Hmm? Thief is an awful card. Thief is the counter to big money, though, in the base set.
1: But it doesn't do it efficiently.
0: I won PAX... Oh, sure. I won the PAX East Dominion Tournament with a Thief strategy. Uh, the fact that they printed a strictly
1: better Thief in one of the future sets of Dominion... I, I just feel like the card is awful, but uh, well, I think in, in
0: purely base set Dominion, it is. Yeah, it I is uh, paradigm shifting because it's specifically, and it, it is also interesting to note that, you know, at some point in Dominion, someone figured out the big money strategy, or like money plus. Um, what's the one that gives you three cards, Smithy? Smithy, yeah. Money plus Smithy as a, as a fairly efficient strategy. And I remember reading, I, th- I believe, that that Vaccarina was like, that's why we included Thief.
1: Interesting. Because See, you like, can steal the, money, the,
0: the golds out of people.
1: Yeah, but with the money plus Smithy strategy, you don't trash anything. And so you're still left with majority copper. It works because you're getting just a massive amount of more cards. Right, right. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I just don't think of Thief as a very powerful card i do it, think of remodel as an extremely powerful base, it can be base, yeah 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 like that can change how you play the game yeah but
0: anyway about dominion anyway ultimately you are responsible for the thoughtful gamer so oh, feel thank proud you. <laughs> and <Mark's> more <laughs> ultimately more ultimately i suppose my parents giving birth to me <laughs> I do believe God for creating the universe, <laughs> but do, also Bubba.
1: I do believe your board game collection has uh, finally eclipsed mine. Not by much, but it's it's I, pretty darn well, close.
0: Note that this is a combined collection. Yeah, oh, it's me true. Orion, Ryan. Although probably seventy percent are mine.
1: All right, so then it's probably about the same.
0: Ben only has a few. Orion has more than Ben. Yeah, I'd say sixty to seventy percent of the shelves of uh, the games here are mine. Anyway. Let's talk about Falling Sky, and I want to hear... We've talked about on, I believe, at least in the Top 10 Podcasts, I've talked about the coin series and how I think it's just a really fascinating design, but I want to hear your thoughts on Falling Sky. Did you enjoy it?
1: Yes, I enjoyed the gameplay uh, very much, and I guess I'll comment on the coin series in general, and and i only know this because i was told this but all the coin games are have that the same mechanic where you have a deck of cards uh, with with a faction on top and basically your turn order is determined by whatever faction is first on that card and th- both that and the fact that the I forget what you called it. Counterinsurgency, I guess, is is the word I'm
0: looking for. Uh, and that is literally the name of the game. That's what coins. That's what coin which, Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> well, the fact that it's self balancing in that there is so much tension between all four people playing. Those two things very much hooked me immediately. However, what I didn't like about the game was that there was a bit. I felt like in order to win the game, you had to have quite a bit of luck. Or one person grievously screw up. So basically, if my my impression from the game was that if everyone played optimally, the game would have to be basically a tie. And that was my main problem. I,
0: which, is all, which is pretty much what happened, right?
1: Yeah, that is almost exactly what happened in our game.
0: And you... Did
1: you end up winning? I I won.
0: In, you in were quotes. one point closer to victory than the rest of us, basically. Sure. So. And, but but it but, I mean, I think like the game's turn. designed to go to that point. Right? Sure,
1: I, I suppose. Yeah, it's
0: not. It's not to explain to the listeners how how this works. In the coin game, each each player has a different win, or in all the coin games, at least to my knowledge, I haven't played all of them. Each of the players has a particular win or victory points criteria and they're usually very different so everyone's kind of going for slightly different areas of control or 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 something like that and each of them has a victory threshold and there are periodic kind of resets in play so like that break up like rounds of the game although they're very long rounds so in falling sky in the in the mid game which is what we played you have four winters, and every winter, at the beginning of the winter, you check for victory. And if anyone has reached that threshold, then they win the game immediately. But at the beginning of the fourth winter, that's the end of the game regardless, and you check to see who is closest to that victory threshold, and that person wins. And in our game, you were two points away Ben and Orion were three points away, and I was like five or six. Yeah. So it was, it was an incredibly close game. And I find it fascinating because your point value, and I think by design because you were playing uh, Rome, uh, swung back and forth dramatically. You spent a large portion of the game above your, your victory threshold, and then everyone else kind of pushed you back a bit.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Particularly me because you and I are more directly in... in conflict in that game and it ended up just kind of tightening up toward the end which i think was really cool sure Even I, though i guess it's not quite as satisfying as like just claiming a real victory or that, that's what, what can be at. perceived as a real victory but i think it's it's not necessarily designed to end with well a the different victory it comes down to when that
2: winter card triggers because it's shuffled into the last five cards you make four Uh, 15 card years and then you shuffle the winter in the last five of those so depending on who kind of gets the last say before winter and you see the current card that you're playing and the next card coming up but you don't know beyond that when winter could come so the the luck part comes in of do you happen to be in a position when the winter card is turned over to capitalize on it or do you peak one turn too soon and people gang up on you and take you down because you have hit that threshold and that's the frustrating part of you can't set up a position to win without also needing the luck of flipping the winter card
0: right because you might give yourself just like a one or two turn window right to to get that victory and you need a little little bit of luck on your side right i I, I understand the frustration with that i think I, I really enjoy it though, because it encourages players to take little risks in like high impact plays, but it's not necessarily going to work out. I guess to me that that simulates actual conflicts pretty well where you know the the side where the sides are fairly evenly matched, or at least there's enough to kind of tightly control each other, you want to simultaneously maintain your strong position, but also try to find the opportune moments to strike. And maybe for some reason or another that doesn't work out. But I think it allows... I think it's exciting, even if it doesn't work out. Although I think you guys might disagree a bit. I think it allows a bit of design space where you can have different factions in the game have different kind of impact potentials without necessarily imbalancing the game. So in Fire in the Lake, you have the United States in Falling Sky. You have Rome who have a bit more of an advantage kind of in that trying to get their, their solo, you know, pre end of game victory um, without making them overpowered for that fact, because if they don't get the winter within that, like one card turned window, they've maybe weakened their position overall and the more kind of moderate factions like the what was the one you played the adui yeah uh in in falling in the sky can then capitalize on that with their kind of more uh less variable play more long-term play so i think that's an interesting dynamic to the games
1: yeah it, it's interesting um i i think so, so your point is like calculated risks, and while I agree, I think the game is designed in such a way that unless you make that calculated risk in such a way that if it fails, you basically lose the game, like completely, and somebody else just instantly wins. And so, like, say you say you make this calculated risk, and it the winter card comes out one turn earlier or one turn later than you thought it was going to. And if that's the case, then someone else can... And this basically happened in our game. Orion had a point where if the winter card came out ex- exactly where he needed it to... He was going he to was, win. He was instantly going to win. However, because it came out one turn later...
0: Earlier, or, Oh,
1: yeah, you're right. It was. It was earlier. One turn earlier, He he basically was in a position where... He was able to get his victory points, but couldn't because he couldn't take the action. And then everyone rampaged over him because they they saw his positioning. And well, the
2: other thing is you only get to take you only get to play every other card usually. Yeah, and that's yeah. important too. So you you play a card without knowing if you'll have another action at the end of the year because you see one card ahead, but you don't see two ahead to know if the winter is coming. So if I take an action and then the next card after that is another action and then the second card is winter i have to make that first action without knowing if i'll get another action or if i'll be able to move after that right and so that's where you have to be like well i'm going i'm going in on this point and this is where i'm going to try to win the game and if it turns out great and if it doesn't you can be stuck and be set quite a bit behind
0: right yeah i I understand it seems
2: and it's not necessarily a bad thing. it is a frustrating thing. um and I think as you get better at playing, you'll be more able to capitalize on those sorts of situations and make those risks and perhaps risk less doing so or have a better way of recovering or something right um in a in a or well, I think you'll be able to position yourself to be able to capitalize on those situations better because you know what sorts of things you need to do to get there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I I think it's a fair critique. It just doesn't bother me as much personally. And I think there's something, and I'm not going to say it on the podcast because I haven't formed my thoughts yet, but I think at some point I want to look at how these war games or the coin games or the you know the, the card-driven games or you know any of the like the GMT style games that we have. Cause I I get the impression that this group of designers or this design lineage or something like that looks at random elements and luck elements in a almost fundamentally, like a subtle, but fundamentally different way than Euro game designers or the Euro game design lineage. Because looking at the history of board games, they, they definitely have two very separate paths where war games have a history throughout the 50s and 60s and 70s that, you know, have in the last 10 years or so, or maybe 20 years or so, kind of merged a bit with Eurogame game design ideas, but they have their own separate design lineage where Euro games have the same thing where, you know, they kind of, from what I understand, kind of made their own sort of informal rules and designed off of that. So I wonder if there's something there to how luck is perceived from a design perspective, and what things seem more or less acceptable based on where you fit in that kind of lineage of board games. But I don't know what that is, or if it even exists, or if it's just a figment of my imagination, so I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> Any more thoughts about Falling Sky? Any more?
1: Just, I guess, just that I feel like I didn't win. Even though I won, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have that set, and even if I had won via the victory condition... Or like say say Orion had won via his victory condition the, the winter before. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the feeling that it would have been a satisfying victory. Like I didn't rampage over the tribes. Now, I don't necessarily need to do that. Like Euro games are by far my favorite games mm-hmm. because you you win on mere points. But for some reason that game just didn't give me the satisfaction of actually winning i don't don't know i
0: I have a theory about this let me let me see if this explains your your thoughts euro games are almost always building and you build faster or you build slower or maybe you have a little bit of a setback but you're always gaining momentum in some sense the coin games in particular are always an ebb and flow you push out a bit you get met with resistance and you lose positioning and you lose power and you that happens many many times over the game and so you don't get that same sense of building up or making big progress it's it's always a pushback and so i think that that may be why it didn't feel as satisfying to you
1: that, that could be true and and to be fair like i enjoyed the entire process of actually playing the game because it was just phenomenally interesting and every turn took like five minutes just to like think about and the what what cards next do i have to pass i mean we're not going to go into the detailed mechanics about that but there's so much to think about every turn and that that's what really got me about it. I don't want to sound like I hated this game. I absolutely didn't. I I loved, I loved playing the game.
0: Yeah. Uh, And and to me, that's a lot of the appeal of these, these uh, war games is just the experience of like, just the experience of the game and the thought process and the design decisions
2: behind it. I also love the kind of emotional situations you get put in because a lot of these are historical situations. And so you feel the frustration of Rome trying to stamp out these stupid, rebellious Gallic tribes. <laughs> and even though your armies are way stronger and more disciplined and better equipped and everything, they keep popping up and you can't you can't keep them all down, you know, or you're the the weak trading people in the middle and you're kind of trying to balance everyone and watching over your shoulder and you're like who's gonna come after me next you know or the similar ideas in fire in the lake where the u.s and the south vietnamese have this super passive-aggressive relationship where they have to share resources and the u.s can crush any army but then the viet Cong pop up and cause terror and they blow up the road or they you know whatever and then there's popular opinion where you want to pull your troops back. And I just part of the experience of playing the game is that in games like this or Twilight Struggle or um, many of these GMT games, you get the experience of that historical time period or setting and that it's so cool to just kind of enter into that and live that reality
0: for a couple hours. Yeah, I completely agree. They're just endlessly fascinating.
2: I also love history and have studied wars more than anything
0: else, so that probably goes along with that for me. (laughs) Yeah, you know a lot more about history than I do, which makes me really jealous. And I've always, in the back of my mind, not jealous in that I want to go now read about the history of wars because I don't care that much, but that I really want a game that goes through, like, the history of ideas, where I'll have the, the knowledge advantage, at least historically. Through the ages? It doesn't really, though. <laughs> I mean, it
1: goes through a, a history of ideas and civilization, I suppose. That's the first
2: game <laughs> I thought of
0: when you say <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right, but it's like, not not, not how I want it. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's move on and talk about Twilight Imperium, then. The game of all day, and through the magic of editing and post-production, Amber has joined us. Hi, guys. To talk about her favorite game in her near victory. Not so near.
3: <laughs> no, it, it, it really wasn't near.
0: You it, were winning most of the game.
3: In the end, though, no chance.
0: In the end, though, as was the rule throughout all of college, Bubba always wins. We taught you two games this weekend, and you won both of them. And they're not easy games.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> also, BCP must die.
0: Yes. And he died. He kind of died.
1: I guess not in TI.
0: You won way too fast. But he
1: died very much in in the first game.
0: You almost eliminated him in Falling Sky. This is true. Yeah. (laughs) That That was very interesting. But let's talk about Twilight Imperium. As we said before, your first time playing. It was. What are your thoughts?
1: I enjoyed the entire experience immensely. I think we started at Probably twelve thirty and we ended one. it was one we started
0: at one on the dot I checked okay
1: and and we ended at like twelve forty five probably so yeah. it, was, it was it was probably a good twelve i guess eleven hours because we took probably an hour dinner break
0: yeah, that's true
1: so so it was a very long game, but it was absolutely well worth it um yeah. my my first thoughts from this game were, wow, this is just like a conglomeration of four different games I've played. Like, the combat is Axis and Allies, almost identically.
0: Right. Which,
1: I love the combat in Axis and Allies, so that's a plus for me.
0: It's a really efficient way of doing combat. Yeah.
1: It reminded me greatly of Nexus Ops, which I don't think is a game any of the three of you have played. I've it's not i have
0: been, heard of it, but it's, and it's it's, it's, an, it's another early fantasy flight it's design. It's a very
1: early game, and it's a short war game. Basically, as short of a war game as you can get, but the... The way that Nexus Ops does its ships are very similar to how Ti does its ships. Like they basically have tiered costs in chips, and they just get stronger as you pay more. Sure. And Nexus Ops is basically only the economy side of Ti. You basically have you have a home system, and there's a center system, just like Mechatol Rex and Ti. It's exactly the same. The, uh Nexus up has a board that's essentially a pyramid, and uh, you're just moving up the pyramid tr- to try to get to the center. Uh, y- you can win the game without getting to the center, but it's the same same idea where there's victory points based on objectives that you you do. You can. Oh, conquer. interesting. Yeah, it's almost identical game except no technology. Essentially, uh, instead it's just tiered uh, ships and you and. As you get more area, um, you you basically explore and you can get more economy. So it reminded me greatly of that, and that's a phenomenal game. If you ever want to play like a short version of Ti and just basically not have techs, get Nexus Ops. It's it's phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I've always heard really good things about it. I just actually looked it up, and it doesn't. It's not the same designer as Twilight Imperium, like I, I suspected it might be and apparently it was actually originally an Avalon Hill game.
1: Oh, that's right it was.
0: Before Fantasy Flights printing. Yeah, uh, which do is you interesting. You have the date there?
1: What what, what year did it come so out? Says
0: 2005.
1: That it? I thought it was older than that. But in any case, the third while well, he's looking that up, the third game it reminded me of, which is not nearly as uh famous a game if you will, but I own it is uh Sid Meier's Civilization the board game. Okay. which is not any it's not really a great game, but it had the best part of that game is its technology tree. Uh and it it does like a tiered system and I actually wish this is the only beef I had about TI was I wish their technology tree was a bit more uh what's the word? specialized? Um no, not specialized, but just more not straightforward either, but um I guess, easier to understand and a more, like, tiered structure. Sure. So, like, it had a, a bit more... Like, if you really went heavy technology, it had a bit more powerful stuff at the end. Which, it does a little bit. Like, you do have pathways. But the pathways are just not clear. And that's the biggest struggle I had playing the first time. Yeah, you I just have just to sit not, there and
0: I, I stare at that tech probably tree. I literally
1: spent an hour staring at the tech tree. Whereas Civilization does tiered technologies so you have a bunch of tier one technologies that you can research and if you have two tier ones you can get a tier two and if so if you have three tier ones you can get two tier twos and now one tier three it's it's a straight pyramid okay um and if you get to tier five i think you win the game in civ but i mean yeah that's I wish... the
2: that's the technology victory yeah I think. that's yeah but, but the tech I, the tier fours are pretty powerful if i exactly, remember exactly
1: yeah yeah um and i wish I, they didn't. They wouldn't have to adapt the same system, but I, I wish it was a bit more straightforward like that. Um, that's that's literally my only beef I had with this game.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's the biggest kind of hurdle to overcome for the game. Uh, going back to Nexus Ops, yeah, yep. it, it was two thousand five for the original Avalon Hill publishing, and only in Fantasy Flight second edition is twenty twelve.
1: I did know that. I just I thought it was earlier. When was um when was this game made?
0: I believe first edition was 1997. Yeah, I,
1: I I thought it was more that era, but I guess it's not. Okay.
0: Yeah, first edition 1997, second edition 2000, third edition 2005. Wow, so same year as Nexus Ops. It's amazing
2: to me that basically every modern board game has come out in the last decade, maybe the last 15 years. And some of these games we think of being around forever, but it's like, oh, it was eight years ago, which is forever in this space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, space. A board gaming years.
0: Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, that is crazy. Like, the, like, old classics of Euro game design are 97 to, like, 2002. Right. <laughs> like, so you're, you're 15 uh, to Carcassonne years. or something. Yeah, it's- like Carcassonne, Catan, El Grande.
1: Carcassonne was like 98, 97, Is that right? I think it's
0: two thousand. Two thousand, okay. Um, and then Catan is ninety six or ninety seven. Wow, really? Yeah. Dang. So it's it's it is amazing how new of a thing board games are that we find like five year old games to be old.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, two thousand five is is actually yeah. I mean, that, that's twelve years. So. Yeah,
0: that's twelve years. But uh, even I'm like looking at the shelves, like descent seems kind of like an old game. that's less than ten years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Dominion is about ten years ago. I think it was, was 08. It was yeah. the base game yeah, 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 that's strange. I wonder if I wonder if Nexus Ops inspired any of the design choices at least in the third edition. Of Twilight Imperium. Because from what I understand, there were massive differences between the 2nd and 3rd edition. Like, I believe the entire strategy card phase is entirely just a 3rd edition thing that they stole from Puerto Rico. Interesting. Or not stole. They borrowed from Puerto Rico. So the th- that,
1: that's the other thing that Nexus Ops does not have. Basically, they just have turn order. I actually do not remember exactly how turn order is determined in Nexus Ops, but they definitely don't have strategy cards, which is another thing that was pretty cool about TI.
0: Yeah. Have you played Puerto
1: Rico? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's, it's exactly the same thing. It's pretty
1: much. The only difference is the secondary actions, which I think is brilliant.
0: Puerto Rico has that. Oh, you're right. They're not optional or...
2: I thought Puerto Rico had like a weaker version of the action, whereas TI has kind of a... Totally different a, action. and some yes. Somewhat
0: related, but
2: different action.
0: Yes, that is true. Or rather is to say, in Puerto Rico, I think it's more of a sense of the, the cards that are selected are the actions that will happen, and then the person who selected the card gets a powerful version of that action.
1: Right, yeah. I, I actually felt like I did not link puerto rico to the uh, action cards and it's explicitly
0: mentioned in the designer notes
1: it, it just feels totally different though yeah yeah just because that secondary action is so different
0: right exactly but yeah let's talk about our specific playthrough of the game which was to me endlessly fascinating i suppose because i was almost i was pretty much always losing the entire <laughs> game i was in the weakest position And so I got to witness the political machinations and betrayals, and... I guess I was the only one who really did a betrayal, but... Yeah, Mark. Yeah, I suppose it was a betrayal. Anyway... What do you have against Mark? He didn't betray you.
3: Mark made it so difficult for Jeff that Jeff attacked me out of spite.
0: This is true. So, I'll try to give a brief summary of the game... I started off in a fairly weak position with few resources.
3: Say what race you are too. Like I was the Yin
0: Brotherhood one. clone people of fanaticism. So I didn't feel particularly powerful. BCP Ben was the Hassan who are the trade gurus and every single time that trade was taken, which was like every round he just got an absurd number of resources, as did Jeff, who was next to me, playing the the universities, who had really good trade agreements. Well, no, they just... The two of them swapped their
2: three trade agreements, and then everyone yeah. else was left with their ones. Yeah, And even though I had the next best trade agreements, because I had two two value ones, there was no one worthwhile to trade with.
0: Right. And then... Bubba, playing the. Uh,
1: I have no idea what they were called, but they the Sardak Sardak New Or.
0: Okay, but the warriors <laughs> attacks Orion on like turn two. I think it was no, turn turn one. turn one. It was turn it was round one. one. Turn yeah. one. He took warfare
2: and invaded the system right next to my home.
0: <laughs> yep, it was great. Uh,
1: it was a bad choice.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, which put both of them in a weakened state, and then Jeff. Was uh, Jolnar and just kept getting technologies which and great trade agreements, which made me scared, on which was on my left. And then Amber just kind of sit there and did what she does best and turtled up and appeared non-threatening for most of the game.
3: Which is the opposite of what I was supposed to do, being the barony. I was supposed to be intimidating and threatening, but board positions made that impossible.
0: Yeah, Amber was situated between the two... Boomiest factions, and then and what triggered all the fighting? So you started, Bubba. Bubba started all the fighting.
1: I mean, no,
2: Bubba really and I skirmished fighting. early, Skirmished early, and then made up. The, what triggered it is that no one bothered to even slow down Ben, and he was just snowballing out of control. Right. So we finally started fighting
0: around that, which that, kind of triggered off a series. Well, of no, other- what happened? True, what happened, happened was Amber took mechatol. Right. And then Bubba took Mechatol,
3: and no one stopped Bubba. That's and not then, true.
0: <laughs> but then Bubba seems so and, well. And then Jeff sent well, the sent thing- his big batch of his war son and his big fleet right next to Mechatol. So we all thought he was going to try to take over the center, but instead went past Mechatol into your home base. The, well, the, the thing was that Bubba had a powerful fleet sitting in the
2: middle. But he had none of the maneuverability techs, so he could only move one square at a time, which
0: left his home area quite vulnerable. Right. So then Jeff and Orion took advantage of that. And then I took that opportunity to break my alliance with Jeff and invade his home system. Meanwhile, Ben just kept gathering absurd numbers of resources. And Amber kept just sitting there looking pitiful and weak when we knew that she could have put a big dent in ben
3: but putting a dent in ben would have meant giving up any chance of scoring any more points during the entire rest of the game see ben was behind in points he was so behind and he had this huge fleet but he wasn't in a position to score any points so yeah
0: amber and i talked about this last night that to be fair, while playing selfishly, not for the good of balancing the power of the galaxy, she did put herself in a position to score nearly every round, which I guess is kind of the point of the game.
3: Yes, and and during this game, everyone was telling me, you have to stop Ben, you have to stop Ben for the good of the galaxy. But I'm just sitting there thinking... What's in it for you? Why do you want me to stop, Ben? How, are you going to going to score points soon after and then leave me in the dust or attack my home base now that I am in a weakened state? It's all a very delicate balance.
0: Yes, and this is why Twilight Imperium at its heart is a game of diplomacy, both in the in the diplomatic sense and also in that it's kind of In many ways, similar to the game Diplomacy, in that it's very hard to fight a two-front war. You need allies to do big offensive things.
3: Allies that don't backstab you.
0: Yes, and then Amber doesn't get allies. She gets border agreements because she doesn't trust anyone to not backstab her. But eventually what happened is Ben with his massive fleet wrecks Orion...
2: Well, we got to a point where Amber and I were the leaders in the game.
3: And Orion was going to win.
2: That's not true. I was in a good position. You were also in a good position. Mm. We didn't know what the next objectives were going to be. You were two points ahead of me, and I had a path to get score about two more points.
3: Yes, but I was so far behind in initiative, and both the goals on the table that I had not scored were Mechatol. It was impossible for that, me to get that those. That was true
1: for everyone, though. But that, that was, was true, true same for, for me. Yeah. I couldn't get Mechaton. I was literally the only one that had those points.
3: But you had the chance to choose the next goal.
2: Well, yeah, because I took eight.
3: <laughs> yes, because you had the initiative.
2: Because I first took the speaker token. <laughs> I spent multiple rounds getting to that yes, point. <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
3: And, and that's where I really messed up. And that's what cost me the game is not paying attention to initiative. Because by the time I did, it was too late. I was not going to win. That
0: makes sense,
2: yeah. So anyways, after that situation, everyone else was like, oh, we have to kill Orion because he's going to win. And Ben comes in. I
3: initiated that, by the way.
2: (laughs) And has the perfect set of cards and rolls absurdly well. And I roll absurdly poorly, as I tend to do in these situations. And was pretty much knocked out of the game at that point.
1: To be fair, at the same time, Jeff attacked
3: Amber,
0: but
1: it was significantly
0: less that was, useful. That, that was that was yeah. more petty than it was useful.
3: It was it was petty because he had not yet taken over his home base. I had just made multiple threats. No, he
2: did take his home base the same round. The same round.
3: Same yeah. round. But after he attacked me, and I just showed him how I could completely wipe him off the board, and he decides to bring two war sons into my home system anyways. Oh, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And I was like, it
0: wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't entirely petty because he did get a victory point out of it.
2: It didn't really stop Amber. He did get a victory point, but threw away his fleet doing it. And then as we were
0: all scared of Ben, Bubba reveals that he has scored his... Six points?
1: I think it was six. Five, five, five points, points, points in one turn. He
0: has scored a secret well, and objective.
1: I got, and I got your one point planet. Oh, it was, yeah. It was six points in one um, turn.
0: Yeah. yeah. You scored your secret objective, which none of us... At least I hadn't even thought about, which was worth three points due to a law that, to be fair, I passed.
3: (laughs) And I strongly opposed. I passed it. I liked it.
0: Which gave him three points and then scored two points for...
1: Uh, Oh, that we just let you have.
0: (laughs) Because you were alone in last place. Correct. So we're like, oh yeah, you can have the two-point objective, it's fine.
1: It was controlling Mechatol, Rex, and three...
0: Three adjacent, adjacent systems. systems, yeah. And then you took over Orion's... Opportunistically, when Ben retreated, took over the victory point kind of near Orion. Correct. Uh, on the board for a six-point gain. While simultaneously taking assembly... So that you could become the speaker. Correct. In order to get the number eight strategy card, which lets you choose the next objective, which you had already which were in a position scored. you yeah. immediately were able to score. So you got eight points in one in a small portion of a round, which is insane. <laughs> Considering you yeah. spent, what, 11 hours getting your first. Five. 5 yeah, points. I was at
1: 5 and which was last place and yeah.
0: Yeah. Got me to so, 13. Well done. I didn't see it coming.
1: Nope. I about like so I got wiped out by Jeff's large fleet and Orion's tiny little fleet hit my home system. Oh and then and, and then, then, then I point,
0: negotiated because I was right. afraid of Ben and knew that you were in a position maybe to put some hurt on him. I actually started a charity fund <laughs> to let you build a space dock again so that you could not be eliminated from the game.
3: For the record, I did not contribute.
0: I didn't contribute either, but I brought forth the idea. And then, uh, because I thought you would be an, an aid and not have any chance of winning, but then you did.
1: Yeah, when, when I got wiped out, I definitely thought the game was over for me immediately because uh, i lost all my space docks to orion who's that was his su- secret objective but then uh as soon as i got a free space dock from generous contributions
3: <laughs>
1: uh i was like oh I'm, i really just only missed one victory point here like it was literally only one turn because the turn after my fleet was able to get right back to my home system because orion generously left me alone and I'm I, like, I
2: sent I'm kind of still in this. I sent a small strike force in to get my secret objective and not invest additional resources.
3: Because Ben was on the border.
2: I probably could have sent Morin and tried to secure territory at that point instead of um, allowing you to get back on your feet. But then Ben certainly would have attacked me a turn sooner than he did, which probably wouldn't have worked out well.
1: Yeah, you, you did secure the, the one point planet, which was mine previously. Yeah. Up until that point. And I kind of just let you have it until that one big turn. But yeah, mm-hmm. as, as soon as I took back my home system, I immediately built three space docks. And I'm like, oh, I as long as I just plot along and score one point a turn here, I still am kind of in this. And it worked out.
0: Yeah. And I talk about this in my written review that I put on the site. But this is the reason I love Twilight Imperium. Because every time you play, like, you're collectively making this fictional history. It's such an involved and political and diplomatic of a narrative that it feels epic. And it feels like you're making, like, actual, like, big historical cultures are clashing. And giant wars are being fought. And there's these epic backstabbings. Like, it feels like you're creating a history. and And... You know, even though I really never had a chance in this game at any point, I just love watching it unfold. And despite the fact that I spent a good 50% of the game clamoring for Amber to attack Ben, (laughs) and she never did, but this is part of Amber's, uh, and this was mentioned before, this is Amber's favorite game of all the board games. Yes. And I think part of it is because she can be so ruthless (laughs) and so, yeah, ruthless is the right word and what you call manipulative.
3: Well, I mean, I didn't really kill anybody very much during the whole game. Maybe ruthless is not the right word?
0: Ruthlessly...
3: I just chose...
0: Switzerland-like.
3: <laughs> I just chose to ignore you. You you were
1: planning on a massive assault to Mechatolrax return well, well, yes, before I ended yes, the game. Yes, <laughs>
3: definitely. <laughs> but, but I don't know. It's a game where I'm in charge of my own civilization and can make decisions for that civilization, and you can't stop me.
0: Yes, and I think that's at the heart of why you like the game is... You have a lot more agency to ignore everyone and do what you want.
3: While at the same time getting what I want from them.
0: Yes. Because, yeah. Amber's very very good in this game at getting second place.
3: Oh, it's so sad.
0: We'll keep reminding her of that until she changes her ways and aligns more closely with our desires to bring balance, power balance, Amber. I guess... I guess to be fair, from a from an international relations standpoint, there were always throughout the game kind of a two superpower setup, a cold war esque situation. One of the parties was always Ben though.
3: It's true. And the
0: second superpower kind of shifted around throughout the game.
1: And was almost never me.
0: <laughs> so I guess Ben was the United States in this analogy. And then I don't know. Jeff was Russia.
3: Yes, yes. I, I'm stretching Go this Helen. too
0: far. You, but there are you theories. Absolutely, th- are stretching this too <laughs> far. <laughs> but there are theories about superpowers in you know 2021st century, and I think they kind of apply to situations in Twilight Imperium. I will read and think more about this later. But again, endlessly fascinating to watch everything play out. And if you haven't played this game before, it does take.
3: 12 hours. All day
0: long. But I think totally worth it. It, Depending on your
2: play style, it can be more like 7 to 8. We tend to take our time and take breaks for food or drink or whatever in between rounds and such. Um, But just commit the day to it and enjoy the experience.
0: Yeah. We also take breaks to split off from other people and strategize.
3: Well, that's not actually officially approved. It just... Kind of It just
0: happens when two people decide to go get Bob's for dinner and the rest of you go to get Chinese. Just saying that the simultaneous attack on Bubba and Jeff's home system was not necessarily a coincidence.
1: I didn't even realize that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, we both had those
2: economy action cards that crippled or that exhausted systems. Um oh and so, I totally forgot So that we you both did that we both me. played those with targeted people um and then we planned it out so that uh we would both you know Mark thought we thought Jeff was going to go to the middle but then he ended up attacking you which made everything just easier
1: <laughs> He was right though if he had gone to the middle he would have been wiped out I think
0: Yeah I think you win that battle but I thought he was going to swing around his second fleet Sure but to that would have taken at you. least two turns Right, but I was willing to wait, and then that would have made it really easy for me to take over Jeff's sure. home system in, in his sole space dock. It's always scary when you have only one space dock in a game because if that gets wiped out, you I are had zero. <laughs> you are in a bad shape, but not too bad of a shape. Apparently, to come from behind <laughs> dramatically and win, you did get a lot of charity to get back. I did. Your feet.
1: Well. Yeah, two resources. But
2: also, I gave but. you that two point Mechatol um, victory point or objective. Oh, yeah, sure. Ryan selected yeah. that one, yeah. Instead of uh, a different one that you could have Instead of one gotten. that
1: Amber could have scored. And, no, like, instead. The table could have scored? No
2: one else could have scored it. Oh. I just thought that one was more interesting to put out.
1: Inter- yeah.
0: The other I mean, one was uh, Blockade of Space Stock, right? I think. Oh, I could have done that one.
3: No, that was the 1.1 that I did not want to be on the board at all.
2: Yeah, I think no. from that point on, Jeff was the only one who ever blockaded a space dock. Mine, That's true. My
3: home did actually,
1: Mark blockaded one. I could BCPs. have
2: blockaded
0: one. You could have? Okay. Instead You're, of just destroying it.
1: You blockaded BCPs for like a half a second.
0: That's true. so
1: any, but anyways, like
2: if I had brought that one out, you couldn't have scored the, the two-pointers. And then yeah. if I had brought the win-the-game one that no one was going to achieve out, then you would have been two points short, basically.
1: Yep. would yeah. have been tired. I mean, so, at the time you did that, you didn't think I had a chance to win, though, did you? No, no,
2: no not really. Okay. But I, I mean, I made the choice saying, like, this helps Bubba, but I don't really care because right. I think this is more interesting to see what happens around Mechatol.
3: And Ben should have attacked Mekatol. I kept waiting for him to attack Mekatol so I could attack Mechatol, But at the same time, I think he was waiting for me to attack it so that he could attack me. I, I'm, I actually, was...
1: I'm actually curious about that this, since this is my first time playing. Is there usually more action around Mechatol?
3: Yes. It depends on the galaxy. So.
0: I would say this is the most combat we've ever seen in a game.
3: Yeah, no, but no, no, not no. on Mekatol.
1: On Megatol specifically.
0: Oh, it depends
1: on the more. galaxy.
2: Because it was so isolated, there was less there this game than others.
1: Fair enough. Like I, When when I took it, I'm like, I'm probably going to have to like immediately score my secret and just get the heck out of there. Because I thought it was going to be highly contested. But it turned out I could take it and leave it the whole game.
0: Well, I mean, that's the beauty of a game like this that's both player balanced. So, in other words, it's designed specifically... With a lot of swingy effects and and uh, kind of snowballing, but it allows the players to attack the leader and, and things like that, and then giving the players enough time and space because of its length to effectively do that. That you can have situations like this where the one the person everyone thought was you know a massive threat just kind of sits there and gets poked at a bit while. You, who are left behind, is given a little bit of freedom, a little bit of charity. And I'm not saying it's necessarily great game design that someone... Well, I think it is great game design that someone could come back from very last place in the last round to win if the other players purposefully, you know, kind of let him do it. Sure. You know, we all know the possibility is there, but it was... And, like,
1: I, I wouldn't... So, like, I wouldn't call that king-making either. Like, there was no, no intention to, like let me win it was it was just like hey this was probably the best thing to do because it helps the last place guy and doesn't help anybody else
0: exactly and it was all strategic like even the charity we gave you was strategic right because we wanted you as a buffer and you had a fleet out there just no way to produce and we wanted to give you a little bit of space to produce instead of getting eliminated and i think it's to the game's credit that it allows it gives the time and the space for these more drawn-out narratives to emerge, whereas in a shorter game or a game, you know, even a game like Eclipse, if someone's in in Bubba's position where they're you know destroyed to that degree, they don't have time to come back.
1: It's another game I haven't played. Definitely. There's
2: eclipse is different though it's more of a euro game and you don't have these the same swinging actions and the ability to do that sort of game shifting three points or six points in a turn action you just like
0: that doesn't exist right in, right in eclipse. well that's what i'm saying i think that's that's one of the reasons i like twilight imperium better and i think a lot of people would say oh it's too swingy it's too random but to me, it's it's not at all like we know the possibilities. Well, it
2: is more swinging and random, but because you play it for so long, there's time for it to bounce out over the course of the I game. I wouldn't call right. it random,
1: though. I would definitely call it swingy. I, I don't see well randomness in it. I, there's dice rolls, and yeah, you, you kind of rolled bad. The but. combat
2: dice rolls is the is the really the only random part, yeah. or well, that and what action cards you get, I guess.
1: Yeah, but, and I don't think the action cards are all that powerful or powerful enough to consider it like a like most of them just target one race so you can hit the leader basically right like, exactly. it's not like oh i get a free technology or i i don't know they, they're, not, right, they're not they don't not let, quite let you snowball enough to be like whoa that's what won me the game yeah a- uh, oh i have a quick question yes orion at one point <laughs> Uh, in the game, had a action card that let him search the action deck for any action card. I don't think he ever played the action card that he searched for. Oh yeah, for. What, was what was that, that
2: card? card? Uh, I took flank speed.
3: Of course, everyone needs to take flank oh. speed. Oh, that's, that's the card. That's what, the what one does that, that lets that card you do? go
2: through people. No, that's the card that lets you move one farther.
1: Oh, oh yeah, that's insane. Yeah,
3: you gave one to me. Baba, when you pass cards out to everybody you gave me flank speed <laughs> <laughs> and you never used it <laughs> um i did actually i i did kind of waste it um after realizing that oh
2: yeah you just moved it to move more troops over to your other border
3: <laughs> yeah it, it wouldn't have helped me take mech and at that point i wasn't considering attacking anyone else so i figured i would just use it
2: interesting so that turn, well, the turn that I attacked your home system, I was planning on using flank speed to take both of your space dock systems because ah, then I could bring my entire yeah. fleet in to, and that would have been enough to get both of them. And I was just trying to figure out what, um, how do I allocate things to different systems?
1: Um, oh, I really would have been wiped out then. Like, if well, it, it But then, but then Jeff
2: just took the space dock, the, right. the, 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 the harder system. And I was like, well, I only need to send one carrier in to snipe your home system. Yep. And then I was looking at, I could have taken Mechatol Rex with that, because I could have moved my entire fleet in there. Yep. Or I could have moved my entire fleet into attack Ben, but then he attacked me first and, you know,
0: right. I have, stumbled from there. I so. have
3: lost the game, though, with flank speed before, when Mark attacked no, my was, home system oh, with no warning. That was
0: not flank speed, that's the one, that's like through the silence of space or something. That's the one that lets you go through an enemy hex.
3: Okay, okay.
0: That was our very first game, I think. But there's a tech that lets you do
1: that, right? There is, but But there's also an action card.
3: It's ridiculously expensive tech, though. Um, I think Jeff was the only one who came close to getting it. He did have it. Yeah, he did, Um, but no one else was close.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. um, The other move I was thinking of is I could have gone from my system through the Ion Storm and then ground Assaulted Amber to steal that point. And stolen the artifact planet on the same turn. Ooh, that would have been an um, interesting move. So I, I could have done that, but I would have gotten attacked again and then been attacked me. Or it's just like I, I did something else because I was trying to delay and then Jeff, or I forget, maybe before I could do that, Jeff did his ground assault and took the, the king of the hill point. So then I was like, well, it's probably not worth it anymore or something. Right. Yeah. Another thing I
0: want to say to the credit of the game is that...
2: Actually, I just to finish that, I, my, my thought there is that I had the number eight, and I had the flank speed. So my plan was I can play flank speed, go through and take the two points from Amber, and then I can play number eight and hope to draw the end the game one, and I'd be in the lead at that point, and I could instantly win. That's what I was looking for.
3: I never even saw it coming. Yeah, that's
1: was... an interesting. No plan. no one saw it coming. <laughs> I never even knew flank speed existed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it didn't. I wasn't able to pan it out. So, yeah. Another thing I, w- I want to say to the credit of the game is that while it is driven by the uh, these objective cards, and in this game the objective cards I think were very interesting and, and played well with the game. Sometimes they seem a bit at right angles to the actual game it seems almost I was, I was
1: looking through a couple of the objective cards and there's a bunch that have to do with like having science planets and that just seems ridiculous.
0: Yeah, those can be really but, variable based on the setup. Those were the only ones
1: that I was really like, "Huh?"
0: Yeah, and sometimes these come out in strange orders and they seem very much not in line with how, how the game feels. This one they did well and I th- I think it's again to the game's credit that You're not only thinking strategically in terms of points and gathering objectives, but you're thinking about it in terms of, like, international relations and politics and power projection and things like that, where you're like, okay, I can do this thing to get a point or two, but it leaves me soft in this position for this player to attack, so I need to make sure that the person on the opposite side of them is putting pressure on their doorstep, But then I need to somehow get them to do that and make them think it's to their advantage to do that. But then it makes me weak here. Like Orion and I spent probably 15 minutes while we were ordering sandwiches just going over all the different situations. And of course, it fell down. It fell to Amber to put pressure on Ben to keep Ben off of Orion's doorstep. And Amber. I Does saw, not bend to any man's will.
3: I saw Orion as an equal threat to Ben the entire game if not more so. Because yes Ben's fleet was immensely powerful but we had a really good border and he was not scoring points.
1: I think you make an in- interesting point like getting more to the global perspective of this game instead of uh, just Or
0: or perhaps the universal uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Galactical But <laughs> um, <laughs> But you were saying like how all of this relates to politicking in general, and I, and I think you should actually do like an article on this. Yeah, someday um,
0: I'll do a bit more research, brush up on my international relations, well, spe- and do that
1: specifically uh, how they're getting military people into playing board games, and like they've designed board games that are specifically for the military oh yeah that's that,
0: a long tradition in the war gaming yeah. business yeah and,
1: and like but there's they like have hired game designers for like the marines too that have built board games that are only released to the u.s mm-hmm. military i just find find that fascinating
0: yeah and yeah. i wish
1: i could like look at these games
0: yeah um, i think they're usually hex and well i don't know if they're usually hex encounter war games they're they could be all kinds of things. But I, think I, I mean, I have
1: no idea. That, the yeah. article I read like, released no details about how the game actually works. Yeah,
0: that would be really interesting to go more into it. Yeah, but I, I just adore how Twilight Imperium, and I've commented on this with other games, it makes you speak and think in the language of the game universe and not necessarily in terms of the game mechanisms. I think I mentioned this in my Viticulture review, where it's thematically so tight that you can teach the game in terms of, here are the steps to make wine, not, here are the steps to gain victory points. And in this game, while it is thrown off a bit by the objectives, like, okay, I do this random thing, I get a point. Most of the game, you're speaking and communicating to the other players in terms of politics and diplomacy and and international relations which is super cool
2: one interesting situation i ran into is that uh i think the turn i scored my secret objective i intentionally chose not to score another objective even though i could have because
0: i didn't want to get too far into the lead
3: always my problem
0: that's that's really interesting that plays into amber's like manipulation theories Um, I'm trying to learn from her. (laughs) Yes, Someday, Amber is going to write out an outline of her thoughts so I can interview her about her theories of manipulation in board games, which sounds nefarious, but it's just kind of the way she plays games very heady and psychologically, which none of us do, I think, very much. Because we're all more nerds than she is.
3: I think we (laughs) frustrate each other a lot sometimes when playing games. In a good way. Yes, in a good way.
0: I very much enjoy playing games with you, even when I rib you about certain actions (laughs) being inefficient. Because you always do end up performing better than I think you will. Mm -hmm. So there is something to your psychological machinations. (laughs) Coming Ah. to a podcast near you, though. (laughs) Soon. We will be talking about this amber
2: soon, okay. TM.
3: Soon,
0: <laughs> I
1: I do think that's interesting that you bring that up though about the secret objective because while it didn't really work out, I had a very state based uh, secret objective where I just had to have stuff on the board at a at the end of a round and I was considered like I was obviously always building towards that objective, but I was absolutely considering not scoring it immediately. Like I, I was going for that huge point swing turn and uh, it ended up being that I scored it the only turn I ended up having it because I was so far behind but even on that turn I heavily considered just not scoring it at all and waiting one more turn which I think is a very interesting aspect of yeah, that. yeah
0: that's super interesting where there's the the other players have such a big impact that you start to that that, that not appearing threatening is it's more valuable than victory points almost, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost becomes a primary goal. Such a great game. I love it so much. And I want to play it again next weekend. <laughs> Although, I, won't
1: be, I won't be here. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: That is sad. But anyway, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thank you, Bubba, for coming down to play games with us and giving us your thoughts. Absolutely. And uh, you'll have to appear back again next time you're down here. If you have any ideas about podcast themes or topics you want to go over, let me know. We can plan one. Sounds good. To close off the podcast, I, I am reminded of the other day when I came out of my office and saw Amber's sister who was visiting, or had stopped by. She lives nearby. And was watching Star Wars for some reason. Well, I guess you don't need a reason to watch Star Wars. Anytime's a good time to watch Star Wars. And I come in exactly when the Millennium Falcon first in, in the, the, you know, the people first see what? <laughs> All the people, Luke and Leia and Han and, and, and Chewie. I know their names. And you
1: know the, the people.
0: <laughs> Don't worry. I know their names. First see the Death Star. And Alec Guinness does an incredible line reading. You forgot sir. Sir Alec Guinness. Does an incredible line reading and says, That's no moon. That's a war, son. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Remember to check out the thoughtfulgamer.com where I put most of my uh, written stuff, or I put all of my written stuff, which is most of my stuff in general, and I need to stop using the word stuff. Hit me up on Twitter or Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. And we will talk to you all again next time. Goodbye.